Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. I think what's important to notice now in the in the the new digital age that we're in is that the old way of doing it as we grew up, which which seemed to be a little bit more organic or a lot more organic, depending on what you if you were like promoting a band or you had you know a radio show or whatever, it was like it just went out across the airwaves or it didn't, right? And if if it didn't go out across the airwaves, whether radio or television, well then you maybe passed out flyers right and now you've got another option and how cool is that and to really embrace that uh, you know as you know middle-aged men middle-aged people to go well how does this work and to learn something new Mm -hmm. that is kind of taken for granted by the kids of this age you know my my 18 year old daughter's like oh you don't know how that works and she explains it to me and i still don't understand and then she fixes it on my phone or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'm turning into an old person. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. And we're still figuring out a lot. You know, we, yeah. we're we actually working up trying to bring on somebody that is a little bit more um, proficient. Yes. With, with some of those things and realizing we got no money for you right now. If we get somewhere, we'd love to share. Right. Um, you but know. we need them to get somewhere. That's the problem. I mean, we're, we're terrible at, at self-promotion. And, and I kind of, in some ways, I like the fact that we're not monetized, that, you know, we're not beholden to, you know, any sort of advertiser or anything like that. And, um, you know, but, you know, in other ways, it's just like the, the monster's getting bigger. We're, we're getting better and better guests all the time. We're getting busier and busier and busier all the time. And it's like, it, you know, it costs money to do this. And, and, uh, Mm -hmm. We just don't know. I mean, we're we're terrible promoters of ourselves. We don't know where we're getting there. Well, you guys are you you guys have the artist the souls of artists clearly, and it's important as an artist. You know, I think we need to support each other, and this could be kind of our you know little like how, how do we support each other as artists? You know, I I think having a team, you know, building mm-hmm. a team, whatever that means. So you know, because you have your you have your art, you have your artist, you have your your audience, you know, basic like information technology, the the sender, the message, the receiver, and the acknowledgement. Right. And then, you know, it's like whether it's a band or a podcast or whatever, you in order for it to it's gonna grow organically at a certain you know, it'll have its like exponentiation it mm-hmm. and then you get to this point where you're like, Well, what else can we do? And do will we enjoy doing that? And I think part of the trick I, I, honestly, I think that, um, you know, just at a vibrational level, as far as like, you know, where your consciousnesses are as creatives and where mine is mm-hmm. as creatives and where we are in our, our walks of life, how, you know, we almost have the same birthdays, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we're like, what, and, four days apart? Is that oh, are you? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's important to kind of support each other in terms of, hey, it's it's time to try new things. It's time to really embrace the new and dive in. And my, my friend, David, who's kind of managing me, David Scaff, he's doing a fabulous job of like getting me shows booked and like just challenging me to get out there. And, you know, he's like, he's my number one, he's my team member, Mm -hmm. you know, before the band I play with, like I need him, you know, and it's, 
and he, he continues to challenge me to do better and to try more things. And we have this joke about jumping, just jump off the high dive. You don't have to dive, just jump, right. jump so, off. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what we're doing right now. And it yeah. sounds like that's what you're doing right now. And I, what I think John and I are finding, there are a lot of people kind of trying that right now. Yeah. And what a cool community to have, you know, and Absolutely. we do now I'm going to become, this will be the online, you know, deadheads. Like, <laughs> we're setting up a family. We're going to take care of yeah. each other. But we, you know what? It's starting to feel like that, at least to me, I don't know, John, if you have the same feeling. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and seeing like lessons all over the world and everything else like that. And, and like working with one artist and then they want contact info from another and you find out they're collaborating together. And, and it's like, wow, you know, that, that might not have happened if it wasn't for the fact that they were both on, you know, the show. And it's like, you know, we think about things all the time where it's like a, these are some people I used to watch with music videos when I was 16. I would have never thought that I was going to, you know, that they'd be wishing, yeah, they'd be wishing my daughter a happy birthday or whatever one day. That's that's really neat. And we don't want to lose that. And, and, and I think that, you know, that's the big thing. It's, it's, it's not just about not selling out. It's that we just don't want to lose the authenticity of it. But we also think it's like, how much is getting away from us? That we could just, you know, grow even more if we just had the right, if we knew how to manipulate the, uh, just think outside of the box with the, you know, the social media thing. Well, there's, there's this simple um, concept that I'm learning about, or this, you know, marketing term in social media that I'm Mm -hmm. picking up. And I think Adobe is, is kind of at the heart of it. I think they kind of coined the phrase, but it's the lookalike audience. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think the, the basic dynamics of it, as I understand, are you will you know create a business manager page with Facebook so that you can buy advertisements. Mm-hmm. And then you'll create an ad campaign where you have some sort of offering. You're like, hey, if you like so-and-so, you might like right. us. Mm-hmm. And, and then you make a list of who the so-and-sos are and what the, the data then that's collected by the, the company, by Facebook, let's say, for example, They'll say, oh, you think that you're like these people. Okay, we're going to go out and find people who have a click history of liking and following through on liking those artists or those podcasts or those whatever it is you are. And we're going to put your offering in front of them. And you're going to pull in a certain number. And you're going to agree to pay no more than 25 or 50 or 100 bucks to Mm -hmm. do it. And then you're going to look at how much it costs you per person at the end of it. Right. And then it becomes like a game to, well, how can I get it from 33 cents per person down to 10 oh. cents per person or whatever. And, and so you make your offering better and then, and they, you see like, Oh, well you got more people who uh, were like, you know, who like this artist or this podcast than that artist or that podcast. So you should focus on more people who like that. And it gives you pure data. To so it narrows it down every time. Every time. So you can then have a more efficient look-alike audience that you build. And, it, and it, you know, I mean, it's no different than when people would pay an independent promoter to then go pay payola right. to a radio programmer to play this uh-huh. list of songs. Right. It's kind of, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, it's just using the tools. And, and to, to step back from the, you know, oh, but that's not 
natural or organic enough. It's like, well, yeah, yeah it is. It's just using the tools. Right. Yeah. And air conditioning wasn't natural or organic either, but then nobody's complaining about not using it just to that fact. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I think it's like even the music industry and it's like uh, we were, and we've talked before about, we had a young band on here who just, we were trying to talk to them about how the scene was and, uh, sharp star about how the scene was in Kentucky. They're like, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. We just went straight online. Um, and you mm-hmm. know, we don't really play local shows and we don't really play, you know, we're not part of a scene. We have a group of fans who like our sound and like, and it is, it's based on those sort of things. You know, if you like so-and-so like through Bandcamp, you know, if you like so-and-so mm-hmm. you'll check out mm-hmm. these guys, these guys, etc. So yeah. And we've been turned on to so many bands that way, but it's just amazing. Do you guys have um, so far sounds in your in your mm, No, I'm not familiar with what this is. This yeah, is. I, I, uh, you, you guys like that. This what is I it think. exactly? It's a so so far sounds is a I think it's two British guys who basically created a like a living room concert app. Okay, and I think what happened. I have yet to. I'm going to go and do it as an artist mm-hmm. really soon and just start using this network and and i guess virgin put like 20 million dollars infused just gave them like a grant like here you go 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 be perm like this will keep you afloat this will be your foundation um and so what happens is you sign up as a host or you sign up as an audience member or you sign up as an artist Mm -hmm. and so maybe 25 or 30 people will show up at a at a private venue and um They'll all leave their phones in like a basket in the right. hall. And then an artist or two or three will play for them privately. And everybody gets like ev- the artists all get paid and the venue gets a little bit of money too to cover mm-hmm. expenses. And they're having it's happening in something like 400 cities. I'm wow. just pulling it up. They got it in KC. Do they? Yeah. Huh. Cool. I mean, yeah, we, we've had uh, living room shows have been going around for a while here but nothing marketing them that way as far as i know um but yeah that's interesting i I can remember even the first time i heard about it was probably about five or six years ago hearing about the bottle rockets playing a living room show and uh i mean i guess you know diy uh punk bands and stuff have done that for years just play in people's basements but not as a way to you know market themselves or, or work with it that way so that's that's really cool but just to, to make gas money yeah. and get to the next mm-hmm. town. Yeah, it's usually what it was hmm. there. Yeah. Or a place to stay. You know. Which is that's a noble pursuit, right? That real troubadour fashion of we're just gonna find a place to play and they're gonna give us a little bit of money and we're gonna right. survive yep. and continue yep. on. You get to do what you like to do, but boy, you get hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> but man, those are—we've got some of the best stories. Listening to people telling us about sure. those experiences, those are yeah. That's where the magic yeah. really happens, right? Is that's where the, that sort of that organic thing that we're all looking for in terms of you know connection, community, music, and and everything that goes around it is it, it's you don't have to show an ID to get in. You know, you're not there to to drink or to to pick up on your you know. Your, your preference of possible mate you're you're there for the music and that's it that's the, it's just so gritty and right. real in yeah. that way and it's like going to church in a way right i mean it's, it's a similarity there to a, to a good rock yeah, show it's just to a, a good 
following the digital dead. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting stuff. You guys are cool. This is a fun Yeah, and this is what we do. <laughs> Basically. I love it. We of course want to give everybody a little bit of background so they know who in the hell we're talking to. But uh <laughs> but other than that we we don't have any agenda for where any conversation is going to go. We really, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, it's a it's very free form. There's it feels like there's nothing off limits here. <laughs> it's a safe space. Yeah, it's undetermined. That's part of it's in the name, right? I love it. We don't know where we're gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> but that, yeah, we've definitely touched on some some varying subjects. Yeah, and, and we we really. It's more interesting that way, in my right. opinion. Mm. Plus, you don't have to stress out so much. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. We'll figure it out. I do feel relaxed. Yeah, I, I don't feel uh, like as uh-huh. you know it, it, as excited to talk about Weezer, though that is cool and fun and exciting. But sure. it's 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 calm, right? It's and nice. you know what? We'd love to no. hear Weezer stories. You know, but. We just want to get to know you, sure. you know, that's, that's first and foremost, if Weezer stories come out of it, awesome. If they don't, <laughs> you know, well, maybe another time, you know, that's. Sure. No, I've got, I've got one. I've got a brand new Weezer All right. story that actually happened today. As a matter Ooh, of fact, breaking. Um, so there's a, um, there's a band mm-hmm. from back in the day in like the early Weezer scene, if you will, um, Los Angeles, early nineties okay. nightclubs, mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, there was a band back then called the campfire girls. Oh, that sounds familiar. Really cool band. They had a huge buzz, really cool guys, a trio. And, um, the drummer of, the Campfire Girls is a guy named John Pikus, who would be a great uh, guest for Undetermined. And uh, John Pikus um, was a man about town in the music industry Mm -hmm. in the early 90s. He was a scout or had like a consultation. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a consultant for like A&R people because he was always in clubs and finding new bands. And I had lunch with him today. He works at a a magazine uh, that's in the music Mm -hmm. business in Hollywood and we were catching up cause we're old friends and he's the guy, this is the guy who made the last recording of Weezer before the blue album was made okay. that got shopped to um, the record labels and got the band, the deal. So we put them on the map. Yeah. And he basically finagled some free studio time in a garage that mm-hmm. belonged to a, a kind of a, you know, a wealthier kid who just had enough money to like put carpet on the walls and get a tape machine and a mixer and a few mics. And John had access to the studio and he invited Weezer to come in and record like four songs. And, and we did, and it was this fabulous little recording that got the interest going. So I I credit him with, he's the, John Pikus is to me, one of the un- sung heroes of mm-hmm. the cool. discovery of this of this thank band. you <laughs> thank you john pikus yes absolutely yeah, john come on undetermined yes cool. we'd love to he's got, he's got some great stories tom yeah. waits <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah. at this point i kind of have this dream that if we can get enough guests that have met Tom Waits and have a story about me and him, because this mm. is your, I think you're our third or fourth that has talked about with encounters Tom. with yeah. uh, 
Tom Waits. If we keep if we keep collecting those and just I'm going to put them all together as one big episode mm, sometime. Yeah, it'll be like Tom, come on, yeah, man. Yeah. No, that's a it's a foregone conclusion. Just keep going. It's, it's just going to get <laughs> exponentiated into. Yep, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's coming. You can't come on unless you've hung out with Tom Waits. Well, you, everybody who comes on will have so, yeah, um, Tom. I mean, seven just, there's a way. There's just got to be degrees of separation from Tom Waits. It's, it's up there. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's, and, you know, it's not like we're just you know, total fanboys of Tom Waits either. It just happens to be the guy who comes up with the story every time. Right. It's, it's totally <laughs> random. He's like the it's, Kevin Bacon of your podcast. Well, you know, I've thought about it, and it may be just because right. we keep talking to Bay Area bands and he record artists or, or texas bands and, and then, then then it's the toadies that yeah that comes into the other part of the other part oh yeah the toadies yeah they're they're amazing oh, they, yeah they yeah. i mean they're kind of a one-hit wonder in, in as terms far as of they're goes, known yeah. but they're great yeah band. well we're we're friends with all the original members of the toadies uh sans todd yeah uh pretty much you know i didn't message him the other day though they didn't just on a whim, just to see if top to see what happened. I wish I had more Toadies stories. I remember being around them as they were coming up. I don't know if they were they were like working with um, who are the producers? Was it Rob Schnapp? Uh, I'm sure Lisa could tell us. Yeah, Lisa could tell us. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, there were yeah there were some lineup changes too. Um, Tom, Rob, Brock, and Rob mm-hmm. Schnapp. Those guys were really important produce they did uh, beck's uh-huh. uh, mellow gold which was uh, one of his early big records and they were making records in los angeles and i remember the toadies kind of like coming through and working mm-hmm. with them and you know what i remember wanting to work with those guys to make a record in my post user yeah. time because of the way that toadies record yeah. sounded very sincere music well i always love toadies and it's really kind of a, it's yeah it's sort of a funny little story but it's just it's kind of how we went down this path we initially just wanted to do this to just record it for posterity amuse ourselves and i asked like or i just tagged lisa umber the original bassist uh founding bassist was like you know she's always been one of my favorite bass players It'd be great if she'd do the show sometime maybe after we get off the ground a little bit and just tagged her and i it was a friend just as a fan friend and she and you know, and then yeah. commented just a few minutes later. She's like, "I'm down. Sounds like a lot of fun." <laughs> right. we were like, okay, yeah, it's like beam me up, Scott. Right. right, and then it was like we got bit with a bug. Just like, yeah, well, that wasn't that hard, and it was fun. Yeah, let's try this again. That's brilliant. And then one of the, some of the great things about social media is if. If you don't have to deal with the handler, if you don't have to deal with the label, you know, it's just message me. And it's like, you know, it's you're messaging people directly that you just never thought you'd have access to. But now that you have those methods, it's just amazing. Some of the people that um, you know, I've been told no or too busy by a few people. Just the fact that I had a conversation with them is pretty incredible to me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the There is a democratization of communication in the, in the internet. Right. That it was definitely not there before. Right. It's it. it there are the, yeah. There are some bright spots and and sure. places or ways where the technology is is helping. Hopefully. Right. I'm not a luddite by any means. I just think it's all in how you use it. You know. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just don't just be good. Yeah. Right. Don't be a dick. Right. It's not hard. Don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> really? It is that simple, though. It really can be. Yeah. It, it may matter more and more to our species as we go forward. I guess we'll see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I've, yeah, we're evolving and devolving at the same time. Right. Well, I mean, there's a power to that. There's some short-term gains to being a dick sometimes, but I think people are starting to realize that more and more. That it's, it is a short-term gain. You know, it's not going to get you that far. Don't be a short. What do you guys? Yeah. Right. What, what do you guys do in your, you know, in your personal lives, if you don't mind me asking, to to help, you know, be less of a dick, to be a nicer person? Like, is, do you have? practices or, or habits or? Uh, well, my job, my personal job, I'm, I'm a uh, self-contained special education teacher. I work with kids with autism. Um, oh, wow. I've uh, been doing that for years. Uh, working, we all work in some sort of, you know, right. so, social mental health field. I work, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing I do, but I mean, just little things, common courtesy, engaging people and even on this podcast we tried to do and it was kind of funny how you said earlier how you were kind of pussyfooting around whether or not we're going to engage in that political conversation it's like Mm. we've we had one episode where we brought on some of our uh, conservative friends and trying to talk to them but i think just more and more i'm finding we can all get up in our camps and we can all rattle our sabers you know, right. against each other, but unless we can, it's, it's difficult, but unless we can find a way to talk to people about this and I hate the term agree to disagree, but just sometimes you have to though. find that, find that we're find that we're all people and find that we're not these icons on a Facebook or avatar. Right. So maybe instead of agree to disagree more of a, agree to find things to agree on or agree to engage, mm. you know, um, just, we've got to find something to talk about. I, yeah, I think that's, that's the most important thing when people find that when they're exposed to people and they find that they are human, regardless of their disagreements, it helps relationships immensely. I mean, I, in my personal experience, I find that like, so with racism, for example, I find the worst cases of racism when people just, plain aren't exposed to people of other races you know Mm -hmm. whether they even if they eventually stick to their guns and say yep that's kind of what i felt all along the 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 myths that that people put up around themselves about the unknown is just i think that's what needs to break down that's that's one of the biggest things i'm working on sure right just yeah try i i try to educate Mm -hmm. I think, and I try really hard, and I, even when I know this is probably going to be 100% fruitless, mm. <laughs> right? I'll have, I don't, I don't do it a ton because it drains me, but every now and then, you know, I'll have the, the very conservative cousin or uncle or somebody, you know, will make just a very ignorant and hateful post. Right. And they don't even realize how wrong what they're posting is or why it's wrong. And and I will take the time to tell them in a n- nice way, you know, as the right. nicest way possible. And I will lay it out without pointing fingers, you know, 
I might start it just to get their attention. Like, okay, it's a little hypocritical. I'll point my finger there, but then I'll go into, okay, you want to really have a conversation? Let's have a conversation. Mm. (laughs) And you'll bring out your, but you're not, it sounds like there's a, a willingness to be healthy as opposed to needing to be right. Right. Well, and I think too, one thing that's kind of stuck with me lately, and this is just something that I've been thinking about in probably about the last month. I heard Penn Jillette talking about, uh, on another podcast, and he was talking about people whose political ideas he's opposed, or, you know, he's, he's an unabashed atheist, for example. And he was just, he's saying he's trying more and more to refer to everyone that he talks about, even if he disagrees with them, that they are one of us and saying that, you know, which one of us are saying these sorts of things or, you know, why are we doing that? And we have to accept that we're all part of the same collective, you know, we're all human beings, we're all on the planet. So we're all part of history. You know, it's not just, I'm part of this camp or that camp. It's yeah, that is important as opposed to exclusivity or, right. Or divisiveness or some, some sort of, yeah whatever the differentiators. Are. So I've been, I've been trying to do that more and more lately. It's difficult, especially when you look at some monstrous things that people do. But if you look at it and you say, why are we doing this? As opposed mm-hmm. to saying, why are they doing this? Right. Um, that's, that's, that's an important thing. Yeah. I can't take credit for it. This pendulum really got the idea going. No, it's a good idea. But yeah. It's I think really the more we do that, and, and take ownership of the fact that, you know, of the human race and, and say that, you know, we're, we're almost together. And, uh, yeah, this planet is a life raft and we're all refugees. Right. Yep. yep. Right. It, <laughs> yeah. We need refuge. And it's a, there's a very thin layer of atmosphere that we all operate in and water. And it's, mm-hmm. so let's make it as comfortable for everyone as possible. Right. You know? That yeah. seems, yeah, and the and the the rules and the the societal norms or the laws or the customs or the mm-hmm. you know romantic notions of uh, I don't know how it ought to be or was or right. should be it we there's always room for improvement right. and we're never going to get them all you know you're, you know or not everybody's ever going to be under the same tent I mean, you know that's just the thing it's one thing I'm working on trying to look at more every day it's just us. And I just, I also try to remember as, as somebody that is more progressively minded that eventually history has shown consistently the progressive mind wins. Mm. You know, it takes time. Or it pendulates, you know, either way. It swings back and <laughs> forth, but it seems to be the point of recovery in a lot of cases, you know. Right, but it's it, just like a, a wave will go. There's a crest sure. and a trough. Right. It's not a you know a direct shot. It's mm-hmm. three steps forward, two steps back. Yeah. Right, but it's still moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, apparent. Well, apparently, yeah, the uh, the present moment continues to repeat itself over and over again in different things. Right, happen. and so there there's a progressive as it was a regressive, right. con, you know, conservative. I don't know. The the language starts to break down in terms of serving how we as a as a species if you will are going to evolve or grow or change Mm -hmm. one thing that i've noticed in in these last few years of of you know raising my kids up into adults Mm -hmm. is and i don't know if there's a direct you know linkable correlation in this data but as the 
you know, screen time use and handheld data use have gone up. Statistically, you can superimpose um, suicide uh, attempts um, and self-harm, mm-hmm. um, especially amongst teenagers, but I think in other, uh, you know, categories of, of, you know, how you would measure people demographics, if you will. And I think there's a, a really important connection right. in the the disconnect from each right. other into this virtual av- like handheld, like my whole world is in my hand. Mm-hmm. You see the kids, I see the kids walking home from high school in our hometown and their neck is at like a 90 degree right. angle. And they're looking down at their hand right. and they're walking across the street mm-hmm. and they don't even, it's like as soon as they see the light changes or so the people around them start walking, they just start walking. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's really scary. You know, that's a serious disconnect. You're trusting people you're not even going to mm-hmm. look at or know to not to be in charge of your safety because they might not, they might be looking at their phone right. too. And the right. weird, weird thing too, just talking about like the online bullying and things like that, it's, it's this disconnect as people, but then the level of engagement that they have is so much higher than it ever has been. Yeah. You know, everyone in their school is commenting on their picture or their, you know. Right. Or, you know but from the safety of an anonymous, anonymous yeah, or, person, right, or a, a seemingly disconnected, right. you don't have to say it to their face. You're just right. going to. It doesn't matter. So we're ingesting saying. all of this, but it's still just so disconnected. It's where, you know, the things that's, that would never be said to their face or, or, you know, and that's another thing that's, it's very difficult to do when you've got that platform and God, especially as a kid, you know, trying to make, trying to make sure also that as I say things online, they're, they're things that I wouldn't have a problem saying to. It's an important distinction that, that I think a lot of us have, have lost track of. I'm thankful that some of this didn't happen sooner Mm. just for selfish reasons, honestly, just because I don't know how I'd have dealt with it. You know, if I would have faced, I know I'd have done some things that looking back I'd regret. And I know they're going to, they're going to be a lot of kids that are doing things right now that in 20 years, they're going to be like, Oh my God, I did that. And the whole world saw it. Oh yeah, <laughs> the whole world, it's still it's there. It's still there. I can't get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm talking a good game about all these great ideas, but it's not like I don't even say anything like two nights ago when I had too many beers, and I'm like, oh shit, you know, oh, God, maybe I shouldn't have put it that. You know, maybe we shouldn't have took it that far. You know, what's funny about about music in this context, right? Is you, you know, you go to a concert and you have all these people together and. You know, I've been to concerts. I remember going to one at the Hollywood Bowl. I don't remember who it was. It was somebody, you know, it was like the Eagles or, you know, a great band, I'm right. sure. But just as a guest of someone else. And there were people talking to, I remember there were two women talking behind me and they would not stop talking. Mm-hmm. And eventually I was, I turned around and I said, I'm so sorry to say this, but could you save this conversation till after the concert? <laughs> I just want to listen to the music. Like if right. I really wanted to talk, like just go to the, go, go to the, the, you know, like the little grassy area by the bathroom mm-hmm. and just, you can still hear the music from there, but I, I won't have to. And they're like, Oh my God, it's so mean. You're such a dick or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sorry. I don't know how to say it in yeah. a nice way. I just want to hear the music. No. Yeah. But I think that, the disconnect that, that, you know, kids are feeling or that, you know, 
people who are disenfranchised or, or are not born into to privilege the it's and I can't speak for them, but I hope that music like still is going to continue to bring us all together. I mean, it's certainly why I've been drawn back into it. I just, you know, like my, my best friends are just such music heads, you know, mm-hmm. like Jason, you're from Weezer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just some guy who played in a band a long time ago. And they're like, no, you got to play music. Again. And I'm like, really? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, come on, do it. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because it's amazing. And I'm like, what music is amazing? It is. It does bring people together. It's like this it really thing does. that in a way that almost nothing else yeah. does. I think I, we'll I, always have that as long as it still gives people goosebumps. Sure. You know, when they hear that riff that, you know, it gets them going or, you know, hear that lyric that's just like over the top. I think it always will. I, I, I hope it always will. It's so important, right? I've got, yeah, some of my big Republican friends, man, throw on the right song and our arms are going to be over each other's shoulders and we're going to be just screaming it out together. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, it, it, uh, it crosses party and cultural and religious and gender lines. It just brings people together and, uh, a, a singular consciousness in a way that almost nothing else does. Right. Right. Yeah. Some visual art perhaps, but that's always, you know, I don't know. I, I've always, and I love visual art, but I, I think music more so, I, you know, for that. Well, the two combined, right. I mean, if you, if you're like looking at, you know, Mick Jagger shaking his ass, right. you know, next to whomever. I mean, there's some visual right. art there, you know, while the music is mm, playing. The lights, the backdrop, the, you know, the album cover, the, you know, all those things. But, yeah, as long as, long yeah. as it keeps sending those goosebumps down our, down our skin, I think we're always going to have that. I hope so. I hope we can lean more. There's another artist I would like to share with you guys. Uh-huh. I think that you would really enjoy having on the show. He's... Um, before I played in Weezer, I played in a band in Northern California with a guy named Eric Lindell. Uh, L, uh, let's see, L-I-N-D-E-L-L. And he is out of Florida now, okay. but he he consistently tours and puts out records. And it's like an Americana blues. He does some funky mm-hmm. stuff, too. He's in a band called Dragon Smoke with one of the Neville brothers, okay. I think. As a side project and he's just a brilliant musician you know guitar bass drum you know like leader of, of a band arranges horn sections and stuff but you guys would dig this guy he's the real thing he's a, a true american like working musician I know. and he he doesn't do the micro targeting he doesn't do the algae he doesn't use the code he's a true organic dyed in the wool type of we'll movie. definitely check him out huh. Well, definitely. Yeah. yeah, we like those types of folks. Got quite a few of them here in Missouri yeah. too that come through. So, oh yeah, he probably comes. He through might. Missouri. Yeah. One nice thing about being in the middle, you have a good shot. Yep. At somebody passing through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You might <laughs> yeah. not get him every weekend, but yeah. You, you don't get much more center of the map than Kansas City. Right. You know where I'm at. That can be nice. Oh yeah. Wow. No, that's that's it. I. I, uh, let's see, we played in St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, as chopper one in the night in 97, I believe. And it was a great show. I was really thrilled with the, just the, 
you know, St. Louis is a kind of a melting mm-hmm. pot town. Yeah. Right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Nice. And we're starved for good entertainment in the Midwest too. That's, that's, that's another thing. You get good crowds. Here. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you get somebody up there who's like having a good time on stage and everybody in the bar right. is having a good no, time. And I, yeah. To the point that sometimes we don't handle it yeah. well. Um, <laughs> what is that like? The Guns N' Roses riot, I guess, is a, it's a yeah. good, good, good example. Oh, yeah. Um, don't take away our <laughs> rock and roll. Right. Right. And, or what was the story? I, going to Counting yeah. Crows. I, this was one I experienced. <laughs> Well, going to Counting Crows in Springfield, Missouri, and a mosh pit breaks out, right? And there's, uh-huh. like, stage diving and yeah. moshing and, like, at a Counting Crow, Mr. Yeah. Jones, you know? <laughs> That's great. And uh, point, Adam Duritz <laughs> yeah. has to, like, stop the show and be like, get off the fucking stage. <laughs> yeah. Yep. that's funny <laughs> he's like this is a this is an organized event this is a, this is a grown up right? you can't, we don't have the insurance for this and I'm just like sitting there like oh. counting crow that's amazing wow well it was it was probably you know like hating the moniker it was probably the most alternative thing that came through that you know for that couple of weeks or whatever as far as the show goes and was played on college radio so so people are really yeah, ready, people for ready. It. and beyond that, they just we don't know how to react. And it's like, you know, like but they're so starved that the reaction yeah. is can be really big. Like we oh. saw nine inch nails. Man. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a oh. show. Those guys put on quite a show. I have oh, I have a nine inch sort of a nine inch nails story. So uh, you know who Josh Freeze is? So okay, so Josh Freeze is a drummer from Southern California who has played probably on more records than most other session musicians combined okay. at this point. His father was the the leader of the Disneyland marching band, hmm. and he got as soon as Josh could walk, he put a, a snare drum on him and strapped it to him, and would have him march in the parade and play paradiddles, and you know do the marching yeah. stuff. And so he's literally been playing in a band since before he, before he could talk. And he plays in Vandals. He plays with Sting. Um, he plays with Nine Inch Nails. He plays with Devo. He tours with Weezer sometimes. A lot of bands, but even more sessions for mm-hmm. recording. He's very good. Perfect circle. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now. Okay. Okay, so this is in 1990. This is in like 2000 and I'm, I'm working at the recording studio in, in Hollywood and Josh is at this point, he was the drummer okay. for guns and roses and um, Tommy Stinson was the bass player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, and Josh is in the studio doing some sessions for a, a record producer of some one sort or another. And we meet in the hallway and he's like, Hey, how's it going? He's like, I see you here all the time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. What's your name? Oh, my name's Jason. Oh yeah. What do you do, Jason? I'm like, well, uh, I used to play in the band Weezer. Maybe you heard of him. He's like, no way. You're the guy who started Weezer and Brian Bell. Replaced. Yeah, he knew who I was. And I was like, wow, he knows his shit. And he was like, hey, well, you know, a day later, he's like, hey, are you making any music now? And I was like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I have a, I've been writing songs and I'm, you know, thinking about making a record here. And he was like, cool, bring me a recording of it. So I give him a cassette uh-huh. of like, you know, 10 songs that I had just been doing in my 
So I gave Josh a, a cassette and then he comes mm-hmm. back. He calls me like two weeks later. He's like, I really like your record. I was like, oh yeah, right. Like, I want to do it. And I was like, oh, Josh, I, I don't have like, you know, a thousand dollars a song or what, whatever it is you normally make. He's like, you know, you, he said, you can't tell anybody about this for a long time. <laughs> right. So I figure it's been like 20 years so I can talk about it now. It's just, Josh, if you're mad, I'm sorry. Every once in a while, I will do, I will find a project that I want to do and then I'll just do a freebie for the person. And all you got to do is pay the drum doctor 200 bucks to set up my drums and get a recording studio. And so he came in and he made this amazing record for me, uh, you know, on a weekend. And all I did was just buy him like Del Taco and and Marlboro Mm -hmm. Reds. Nice. <laughs> and I, I put out a few, you know, it, it was, this was like when Napster started right. to take off. So it was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like the record industry is just falling apart. Mm-hmm. And I was busy raising my kids. So I didn't really promote it or tour behind it or anything. But there's a, there's a couple little samples of it out there. There's a, okay. a song you guys can look up that I did called Baggy Shorts that he plays on. It's really fun. And then the fun, the really fun part about it was years later, he went out on the road with Weezer and did a bunch of tours with them. And I was like, I'm the first guy in Weezer to play with Josh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> out there first. Yeah. yeah got out of the game. Oh, that's cool. Huh. He, he's a special musician. I, I think that anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you want to, you know, get more in touch with like what makes rock great, you've got to know your Josh Freeze talking point. He's just one of the greatest, greatest living musicians. Glad to go back. True. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I used to sit and, uh, you know, talking with some people, if I can hear about with it, like a, a pad, paper, and a pen. But, you know, I just realized why well, I'm recording this. I can go back and listen to it. <laughs> we'll certainly check out everybody that you refer us to. Uh, yeah. That's an amazing story. Nine Inch Nails was really incredible there. Came there a couple times. But, uh, the Shrine Mosque is a really good show. Oh, yeah. Do you need to uh, wrap it up pretty soon? Yeah. I, You know, I should hit the sack. I'm going to try to catch a, a yoga class out here in the morning. Oh. I would like to get some rest before. Oh, man, it's been a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, we've had a blast. It's been a real pleasure with you. Yeah, nice. thanks for coming on. Thanks for being willing to, to turn around and do it so quickly, too. I just got a hold of you a couple of days ago, so that's that's great yeah my pleasure 